In a small, isolated community surrounded by dense forests, the residents lived simple lives, mostly untouched by the hustle and bustle of modern technology. Old, analog television sets were the primary means of entertainment, with signals being received from a few basic channels. But then something began to change. As the days turned into weeks, the static on the screens started to draw attention. At first, it was a flicker, a shape in the chaos of black and white, but gradually it started to form more distinctly into the face of a man. A horrifying, pale man with deep-set, hollow eyes and a smile that seemed to stretch impossibly wide. Old Mrs. Thompson was among the first to notice. While knitting one afternoon, she glanced up at the TV and almost dropped her needles in shock. She saw the face, clear as day, staring right at her. But as she blinked, it was gone. She tried to brush it off as a figment of her imagination, but the image stayed with her, haunting her thoughts. The children, with their vivid imaginations and keen eyes, picked up on the phenomenon quickly. Little Timmy would sit on the floor, legs crossed, talking to the static as if it were a friend. He would laugh, ask questions and seem to get responses from the man in the static. His parents, Sarah and Mike, watched this with bemusement at first, dismissing it as child's play. But then, one night, while watching a movie, they both saw it too. The man, in the static between channels, nodding and smiling, as if understanding them. Word spread like wildfire, and the phenomenon became the talk of the town. Neighbors would gather, flipping through channels, trying to catch a glimpse of the man in the static. And more often than not, they would see him. He became a presence, an entity that seemed to be there with them, observing, listening. Some found it amusing, a quirky mystery, while others felt a growing sense of unease. The man in the static seemed to understand emotions, reacting to conversations and actions. A knowing nod, a frown, a wave, it was as if he were alive, trapped within the static. Fear began to creep into the community. Locks were double-checked, curtains drawn, but the static persisted, and the man was always there, watching. And then, the interactions intensified. A gesture to come closer, a beckoning finger, a smile that grew wider and more sinister. The static became more than just an image, it became a voice, a whisper in the ears of those who dared to listen. People stopped trusting their old TVs, yet they couldn't look away. The man in the static had become a part of their lives, a terrifying enigma that refused to leave them alone. The once peaceful community was now gripped by a growing dread, a chilling realization that something unnatural was happening. The children no longer laughed with the static. They cried, they hid, they clung to their parents. The game was over, and the nightmare had begun. The man in the static was real, and he was waiting. The shadow of dread began to creep through the tight-knit community. Conversations were no longer casual or friendly, they were hushed, anxious, filled with fearful glances towards the nearest television screen. The man in the static was no longer a curiosity or an amusement, 
he had become a menace. It started with Emily, a bright six-year-old with a curiosity about the world. She had a fascination with the man in the static, constantly talking to him, asking him questions. Her mother, Karen, thought it was harmless at first. But one day, while preparing dinner, she realized the house was too quiet. Rushing into the living room, she found the television on, the static hissing, but Emily was gone. Panic set in, neighbors were called, and search parties were quickly formed. The police combed the entire area, the woods, the town, every nook and cranny. But there was no sign of Emily. The next day, Karen, pale and exhausted, turned on the TV, hoping for a distraction from her grief. And there, in the static, she saw Emily's face. Her little girl's eyes, wide with terror, her mouth open in a silent scream, her face pleading for help. Karen's heart stopped, she screamed, a sound filled with despair and horror. More disappearances followed. Jake, a teenager, known for his love of electronics, vanished without a trace. Then it was Mary, an elderly woman who lived alone. And Paul, a young father who had just put his kids to bed. Every time someone disappeared, they would later be seen in the static, their faces contorted in fear, trapped in a world beyond comprehension. The town was in chaos. People were afraid to leave their homes, terrified to turn on their televisions. Schools were closed, businesses shut down. Everyone was watching, waiting, fearing who would be next. Families began to huddle together, never leaving each other's sight. Televisions were covered with sheets, turned off, hidden away, but it didn't matter. The man in the static had moved beyond the screens he was in their minds, in their dreams, a constant lurking terror. Paranoia ran rampant. Friends turned on friends, accusing each other of being in league with the man in the static. Trust was eroded, replaced by suspicion and fear. The police were baffled. There was no evidence, no leads, nothing but the haunting images on the screens. They tried to calm the town, tried to rationalize the phenomenon, but they were fighting against something they couldn't understand, couldn't explain. Days turned into weeks, and the disappearances continued. The man in the static seemed to grow stronger, more powerful. His smile was wider, his gestures more commanding. He was no longer just an observer, he was a hunter, and the town was his prey. People began to see him outside the screens in reflections in shadows. He was everywhere, always watching, always waiting. The static was no longer confined to the televisions, it was in the air, a constant buzz, a relentless reminder of the nightmare that had engulfed the once peaceful community. The town was dying, consumed by fear and despair. Families were torn apart, lives shattered. And through it all, the man in the static continued his sinister game, taking them one by one, trapping them in a world of horror, a world where escape seemed impossible. He was winning, and the town knew it. All they could do was watch, wait, and pray that they wouldn't be next. 
Panic had settled over the small community like a dark, suffocating cloud. Televisions, once a source of entertainment and joy, had become symbols of terror. They were smashed in anger, thrown away in fear, and burned in desperate attempts to rid the town of the horror that had befallen it. But the man in the static was relentless, omnipresent, and the static continued to hiss, even without the screens. A group of determined residents, driven by fear, anger, and a desperate need to regain control, came together. They were led by James, a retired police officer whose calm demeanor and investigative instincts made him a natural leader. Alongside him were Lisa, a young teacher, Mark, a mechanic, and Evelyn, a brave mother who had lost her daughter to the static. They were determined to find the source of this nightmare and put an end to it. The group began by tracing the signals, examining the old broadcasting equipment, poring over maps, and speaking to anyone who might have some knowledge about the mysterious static. Their investigation led them to the edge of town, to a long-abandoned broadcast station, that had once been a hub of communication. Now, it stood silent, overgrown with vines, its windows dark and lifeless. With a mixture of determination and trepidation, they entered the station, flashlights cutting through the darkness, revealing the decaying remnants of technology. Dusty tapes, rusting equipment, and old documents littered the place, a haunting memory of a world before the static. As they explored, a sense of unease grew. The building seemed to breathe, the shadows seemed to move, and the air was filled with a faint, almost imperceptible static buzz. It was as if the building itself were alive, watching them. In a hidden room, they discovered something that froze them in their tracks, photographs. Hundreds of them, pinned to the walls, scattered on tables. Photographs of the residents, the young and the old, the living and the disappeared. All captured in candid moments, all being observed, all being watched. The photographs were more than just creepy, they were a window into the mind of the man in the static. They revealed his obsession, his methodical tracking, his insidious intrusion into their lives. Some of the photographs were marked with dates and strange symbols, a code that seemed to predict the disappearances. The horror of the discovery was compounded by the realization that the man in the static had been planning this, watching them, choosing them, for a very long time. They continued to search the station, uncovering more secrets, more evidence of a twisted mind. Journals filled with ramblings, tapes with distorted voices, blueprints of a machine that seemed to bridge the gap between the static and the real world. As the pieces of the puzzle began to come together, the group understood that they were dealing with something beyond mere technology or madness. They were facing a force that had melded with the static, an entity that had found a way to reach into their world, into their minds. The hunt had become a battle, a race against time to stop the man in the static before he could claim more victims. But the more they discovered, the more they realized how little they understood. The static was more than just noise, it was a gateway, a connection, a living thing. And the man in the static was not just a man, he was something else, something darker, something that had transcended the boundaries of reality. 
The group knew that they were in over their heads, but they also knew that they were the town's last hope. The man in the static had to be stopped, and they were the only ones who could do it. With determination in their hearts and fear gnawing at their souls, they pressed on, delving deeper into the mystery, knowing that the answers they sought might be their salvation or their doom. The hunt was on, and the stakes had never been higher. The discovery of the broadcast station had opened a door to a world of horror, a twisted combination of science, madness, and something unexplainable. The group knew that they had to act, to confront the man in the static, to end the nightmare that had ensnared their town. Armed with determination and whatever weapons they could find, they delved deeper into the dark labyrinth of the station. The air grew thick, the static buzzed louder, and the sense of impending doom was palpable. In a hidden room, buried beneath layers of decay and madness, they found him. The man from the static. But he was no longer just an image on a screen, he was real, a grotesque fusion of flesh and technology, his eyes hollow, his smile twisted, a living embodiment of terror. His appearance was shocking, his movements unnatural, his strength inhuman. The confrontation was swift and brutal. He attacked, lashing out with ferocity, his every motion a dance of horror. But the group fought back. Driven by fear, anger, and a desperate need to end the terror, they battled the man in the static. The fight was intense, chaotic, filled with screams and crashes, blood and terror. James was the first to fall, caught by a vicious, swipe that sent him crashing into a wall. Lisa fought back with a fire extinguisher, bludgeoning the creature until it stumbled back. Mark used his mechanical knowledge to rig a trap, electrocuting the creature. Evelyn, though terrified, rallied the group, her determination fueling their fight. The battle raged on, the room a whirl of chaos and violence. The man in the static fought with a relentless hunger, a primal rage that seemed insatiable. But the group held their ground, their unity, their shared horror giving them strength. In the end, they managed to destroy him. The man in the static fell, his twisted body finally succumbing to their assault. The room fell silent, the static buzz fading, the nightmare finally over. But the victory was bittersweet. James was gone, trapped forever in the static, a victim of the very horror they had fought to destroy. The others were left scarred, physically and mentally, forever marked by what they had seen, what they had done. The town slowly returned to normal. Televisions were replaced, the old broadcast station demolished, and the man in the static became a dark legend, a whispered tale of horror. But for those who had faced him, who had looked into his hollow eyes and felt his twisted presence, there was no escape. He was still there, lingering in the shadows, in the corners of their minds, in the static that would occasionally interrupt their lives. His smile was gone, his power broken, but his essence remained, a haunting reminder of the terror that had once gripped their community.